Hey, this is Dylan Collins. I'm CEO of Super Awesome and the host of your semi-regular Kid Tech Podcast. Today, we sort of flip the tables a little bit. Um, usually, Kid Screen is reporting on us. So today, I am talking to Katie Bailey, the content director and editor of Kid Screen about the business of the business of kids media. It's a great episode. You're going to enjoy it. Katie Bailey, content director and editor at Kids Screen. I'm very, very pleased to have you on Kid Tech. Welcome. Thanks, Dylan. I'm uh, I'm flattered and pleased to join you. Um, you say that now. You may not say that at the end of the interview. We shall see. I think you will. <laughs> um, so first, about first off, like let's talk about you um, a little. Like, what is what's your personal history? How did you get here? How does one become content director and editor at Kids Green? Uh, it's a it's a great question, Dylan, because I have a, a, a sort of unusual career path in that it, it's not strictly linear, um, you know, much like TV today. Um, I started as a as a freelance writer with the uh, now this one usually throws people for a loop. Um, <laughs> my focus was on uh, action sports. Um, I did a lot of writing about snowboarding and um, for snowboard magazines and uh, different kinds of outdoor sports. Um, and uh, I also had aside well like an equal parts business model of um corporate advertising style writing for a b2b ad agency which had um b2b clients and then i did the journalist writing sort of as icing on the cake um and then in 2008 and 9 my business model completely imploded because the number one client of the ad agency i worked for was a supplier to the u.s housing industry <laughs> so right all the all the yeah. ad pages disappeared from the magazines and then the US housing industry took a huge uh, downturn as well. So I went out and looked for a job and landed at Brunico, um, which is the parent company of Kidscreen. Now this was a bit of a, a lucky turn because the publication was called Media in Canada and it's a B2B, it still goes today. It's a B2B mm -hmm. news service for the ad, ad buyers, for media buyers. So I didn't even know what a media buyer was or what they did, or how media was bought and sold. Um, but I started as a staff writer and became a managing editor pretty quickly. And it gave me this real front row seat into how the media industry works at the time, because at the time, it was still heavily TV focused. It was, you know, we covered the upfronts, we covered scheduling and programming and, you know, um, like <laughs> prime time versus not prime time. And I, I absolutely loved it. I loved the scheduling. I loved everything about it. Um, and I got to go to all the Canadian media events and meet all the, you know, the CEOs of, of, of the media agencies, of the broadcasters, of the media companies. Um, it was great. I really enjoyed it. Um, and then I moved to playback. Um, the opportunity came up. I had an almost minor in film and uh, I already knew the Canadian media industry really well. So playback covers the Canadian film and television industry. So as everybody on this uh, on this uh, podcast listenership, I'm sure podcast listenership knows, uh, Canada is a pretty robust kids TV industry as well. Um, so I became really familiar with, with that part of it, working on playback as well. Um, so playback was great because it was film and television and kids and across all genres um, and demographics. And at the same time, <laughs> Canadian TV is, is highly regulated and has a lot of regulatory and policy aspects to it. So, um, so I got to learn that side of the business really well too. Mm. Um, so I took a mat leave um, in 2019. And when I came back, we had purchased the Banff World Media Festival. 
So I started doing that content, directing that, um, which was a huge adventure. <laughs> I'd never done anything like that before. And it is a huge conference in the middle of the mountains, has a lot of logistics. So uh, that was a big deal. And then, um, you know, I, I think as, as anyone who's had a kid will know, your sort of DNA is just reprogrammed, you know, when you, when you have that and uh, mm. when you have one. And at, at some point I just needed a change. And uh, I very fortunately got a job at the Royal Ontario Museum in Canada, um, which is heavily family focused. Um, it's one of the world's few transdisciplinary museums. So it was like art, mm. culture and nature. Um, so I did that for three years, working in corporate communications and overseeing social media. Um, and then Kids Scream came, um, came calling in, in the winter. And, um, you know, for about a year, I'd really started missing content. I'd miss creating things. I'd missed making things and talking to industry people. And I missed the industry. And um, mm -hmm. I, I love the TV industry. I love the people that work in it. And uh, so I, I came back. So that's what I've been doing since Valentine's Day of this year. A romantic start um it was <laughs> so what i mean you know what is your day-to-day -day like in kids screen covering you know the, the the business of kids media like how what do you do uh it's a good question and it's it's also part of the reason i i think i was interested in coming back because it is jam-packed <laughs> <laughs> it, is sure. a, it is a busy day. So um, yeah, we start the day. Um, we have a team um, uh, of about seven people, I guess. Um, news editor, two staff writers, uh, a new online writer as of the past couple months or past month. Um, we have a special reports um, editor and an interim associate editor and a conference producer. So um, we really start the day with the news. Um, news editor Ryan Tushow, who a lot of people will know, um, he starts um, assigning stories, finding because we're global, our inboxes are pretty full in Toronto when we when we get to work, because um, all the uh, all the news from Europe is is flowing in and other parts of the world. Um, mm -hmm. So we start organizing the news. Um, we start editing. We start figuring out what's going to go in the newsletter. Um, calling around, doing interviews, just sorting that all out. That takes up most of the morning. Um, and in between, I'll be liaising with um, our conference producer, figuring out if anything's come up in her inbox over the course of the morning. Um, and then we shift around lunch into um, magazine and summit content. So, you know, uh, the summit in a certain way is, is a, a magazine in live event format. Um, so they're often similar things, but um, then it's shifting in into planning content, figuring out what is going where, um, receiving content, editing it, um, talking to people. Um, I'm, a, I'm a manager of people, so I do a lot of HR stuff that everybody else who listens to this podcast probably does too. A lot of meetings, uh, a lot of contract signing, a lot of stuff like that. Um, but, you know, I like to say I drive the bus, um, which is mm -hmm. it because everybody plays really critical roles on this team. We're a small team in a small business. And, uh, I really just try to keep everybody in alignment, um, which I'm sure a lot of you know listeners can also uh, empathize with. It's very essence of running a running a company, uh, trying to keep everyone pointed in the same direction, right? Um, yeah, it takes a lot of time. It does, surprisingly. <laughs> um, what, like, if you were to describe the kids' media industry to an outsider or certainly someone who didn't know it, where would you begin? Like, how would you, what are its, its, its essential characteristics? 
Well, it's an it's an interesting um, time for you to bring up that question, I think, because uh, it's early October as we're speaking right now, and I'm just planning, um, you know, our trip to MIPCOM in the next couple of weeks. Um, so, of course, socially, it comes up that, you know, why are you going to France for work? That's awesome. Um, so the way I've been describing it to people, um, most of whom have no idea that there is a B2B side to the entertainment industry. Um, my, my line is right now, um, TV is bought and sold like any other commodity. So I, they'll be like, well, what do you do at a, at a market there? And I'll describe, you know, what a buyer is, what a seller is, and the people in between, you know, like a distributor. Um, when I'm talking about kids screen, because I've been trying to explain to people what B2B media is for years. Um, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about licensing, which is interesting because everybody knows about licensing, but nobody knows they know about licensing. So like they, they all probably have something licensed on their person at some point, you know, um, or right. even as we're talking. And so I'll, I'll weave in what licensing is. Um, and then increasingly, I think I'm, I'm talking a little bit more about games and virtual worlds and, you know, the interesting directions that the industry is heading in. Um, so, and just how the industry's changed. I think I had this funny, you know, opportunity. I, when I went to the museum, I was just completely out of the TV industry for three years and then came back into it again. So, you know, it's, it's neat. It's like when you don't see somebody for two years because there's a global pandemic and then you see them again and you're like, I forgot what you look like. That's, uh, that was me in the TV industry. So it's been a bit of, um, you know, I, I have a bit of enthusiasm and uh, uh, curiosity about it that I can share with people as well, you know? well. You know, when I left, it was this. And when I, you know, came back, right. it was this. So Disney Plus wasn't even there when I left. It is a really interesting kind of set of snapshots you have, um, like in terms of what's changed in the kids industry, in terms of, as you say, streaming platforms and uh, things like Roblox and metaverse platforms and, you know, so much more of a creator-centric approach uh, to, to content in general. Um, I mean... Is, do you feel optimistic? Do you feel, how does that make you feel? I mean, I, I, I think it's, I mean, what you just said, the creator aspect of it, I am so energized by that and I'm so, mm. I'm so jazzed by it. Um, it's, you know, like I say, I've only been in this for seven months, but I, I, you know, I've been to events and talked to people and talked to people like yourself or, you know, David Kleeman, you know, those people that have their finger on the pulse and, that that idea of the creator of, of agency for kids and creators and kids playing more of a, a a stronger role, I guess, in this isn't um we're not um being prescriptive for kids in the same way anymore. And it's not us dictating what they do and what they see. Um so I think that's really exciting. And mm. you you can take that in, this is a topic I'm I'm happy to talk about for 10 hours, but you know, even you can take that that agency, which is something I'm really playing with this idea of agency. Um, and I'm interested mm. in pursuing it more at summit, um, is, you know, the, my, you know, your kid can just turn on Netflix and pick its own, their own thumbnail, mm. you know, they, they can, right. they have so much more choice and ability to make their own choices. And, mm. uh, I, th I, I think it's really difficult as, um, a content, you know, uh, as an IP owner, as a media distributor, as a parent, because they are flipping through things really, really, really quickly. But it means mm. when they like something, they chose it. So I think they might like it even more. Mm. Um, mm. 
so I, I think that it's it's neat. We're we're uh, you know we we crested I think in the SPOD universe, and now we're in we're heading into something new. So I, mm. I like that. I think it's exciting. It's kind of it feels to me like a wave of or maybe a continuation of a digital emancipation of younger people, right? Yeah, and, agreed. And, and it, you know, in terms of not just the ability to make choices like that, but also the access to tools and, and the ability to publish and, you know, the, 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 the sort of the recognition that, you know, I mean, kids have been part of the internet for, for well, since it began, but certainly meaningfully for the last decade. And I, it feels like only now we're kind of waking up and actually sort of saying, hey, like here, here are things that allow you to participate and, and that sort of recognizes you as, as sort of a, a full digital citizen. Yeah, and, and to your point, they pick up things, young, young children pick up things so quickly. Mm. Um, so for me to figure out how to make something in Roblox and gosh, it would take me like, I mean, I'm my son's just getting into Minecraft right now and I want mm. to help him, but even that blows my mind. And I, I hate it that I am sounding like that, but it, it's true. He's like, how do I fix this? I'm like, I don't know, dude. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the first time I uh, held up my phone to him, um, I was like, let's take a bit of video. It was maybe two years ago. And he, the first thing he said, the first thing he said was, he looks at it and he goes, hi, I'm Nolan. Welcome to my podcast. You can listen to, and I was, I was like, where did that come from? <laughs> but had I given him my phone, he would have just made his own video and I swear he would have posted it on the internet without even blinking, <laughs> you know? Um, so that is cool because they pick things up so quickly and then they can execute them. Um, and they, yeah, the ability to do that is really neat. Mm. And it, like, w when you look at, when you looked at the, the, um, the event in uh, July and when you think about the next event, which will be in February, March? February? Yeah, yeah, February like, 12 to 15th. I'm, I'm required to say that. That's absolutely okay. Um, like, are you, how are you seeing these trends being reflected in what the participants are doing or in sort of the nature of the conversations? Like, is the industry keeping up with what, with, 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 with the speed at which kids' behaviors are evolving? Yeah, I think that's, um, I mean, Dylan, that's really the heart. That's like one of the real core questions is, you know, uh, the content director that I'm, I'm grappling with right now is how much do you program something like this against the future and all the things mm. that could happen and that we're preparing for versus the reality of day-to-day -day business and what people have in their pockets right now. Mm. Um, so I think, you know, kid screen, any TV industry is a lot of people with with ideas, um, looking to pitch them, to share them, to figure out how to monetize them, to figure out how to build their own businesses and do business better. Um, so you really want to be practical and service that side of the industry that is always going to be there because people are always going to have ideas and they're always going to want to sell them. Um, mm -hmm. And then there's another side of it that's quite forward looking. And then you you read articles about you know, invisible universe and, and companies like that, that are pushing this bleeding edge business model forward and trying new things and um, raising money for trying new things. And then you're like, oh, well, that seems really exciting. We should, we should talk about that. Um, mm. So I think you need to program a conference like this for three levels. There's like, what could be, 
and then there's what is right now like if you're a regular tv um content person um and then all of a sudden shows are debuting on roblox what does this mean for you because mm. I think that world, everybody is curious about it. And I know everybody's curious about it. And some companies are in it um, and, and activating against it. Um, and then other companies are just sort of waiting to see how it plays out. So how can we help them figure out where to invest, where to put their attention, what's worth it, what's not, how to um, execute big, how to execute small. So we really have to service, I think, all levels, um, which is a challenge for sure. I remember I was um, walking up the escalator uh, at the event in July, and I remember seeing, I can't remember which company it was, but they had sort of the usual sort of tag, you know, the social tag in terms of, you know, find us on Facebook, Twitter, et cetera. It, was, it had a find us on Roblox um, line there. And I remember, you know, five, six years ago, going to Kids Green events and, and seeing the equivalent, but on YouTube. Yeah. And it was so fascinating to see sort of the emergence of this kind of next wave of, of engagement platforms. Um, and it's it, again, just a sort of like a snapshot of how people are thinking. It, it's so interesting. I mean, do you think like Silicon Valley, which I guess is sort of me just generalizing for technology companies, do, do you think they spend enough time at shows like this? Oh, uh, I, I, I mean, I haven't been to enough kids events to really provide a, a large, you would have a better probably idea of that than me, but probably not. Um, mm. I, I think there is, Dylan, I think we were even possibly chatting about this, but there's a disconnect between the amount of time that kids are spending on these platforms and in these new worlds versus, yeah, the, it, the industry's engagement on it um, mm. and, and, and their awareness. I mean, it's not like those companies don't know that kids are there, but like, sure. are they, is everybody exploiting this opportunity to its greatest potential in this moment? Probably not. Mm. Um, and. So if if uh, you know if those companies are listening right now, um, I'm I'm very keen to um, to try and bring those worlds a bit more together at this summit and summits beyond. Yeah, no, I I think for sure, and I, I also think like it goes beyond technology companies. I mean, when you look at, and I mean, we, we kind of talked about this earlier a little, but like how important kids' content have become to streaming platforms and streaming platform economics and business models and retention. Like you know you you largely speaking, you cannot launch a consumer streaming video streaming platform today without a kid's content offering, you know, that is substantial. Um, and, 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 you know, there's lots and lots of examples of this, but it, it just, it just feels like, you know, we're seeing this crystallization of, of the need for good, solid kids entertainment on whatever, whatever consumer platform, you know, you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, Dylan, you see this as like a function of, and you know, I'm I'm sure many of us are grappling with this. Of, I need to sort of manage my subscription universe, and so we really mm -hmm. need to. If we're going to have two, then they need to service the whole family. Right. Um, I suspect that's at the heart of it to a certain degree. Um, mm. it, I I can't see in my household. I can't. I mean, we have sports channels, but um, I, I mean, we have a full cable package, <laughs> <laughs> which is a bit rare, but um. I, I think that increasingly, I mean, co-view is a big trend I'm hearing about a lot. Um, mm. uh, people are pursuing the idea of co-viewing um, for TV content, but I, I think that making sure the subscription services we have service the widest possible audience, that just seems efficient, mm. I think. Mm. Mm. And how does like, how, how do these trends then play into the coverage of the space? 
So, I mean, you, you have like, you've got, you've got an event and you've got sort of the newsletter and the website and um, physical magazine. And like, it's, it, it's sort of like quite an ecosystem, but like, I mean, if you think five years into the future, 10 years into the future, I mean, what, what does all of that look like, or does it stay the same? It's a good, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, you know, we had movers in our office recently and this one guy was walking around he's like, huh, you guys still make magazines, eh? Wow. Does anybody read them? <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, we're trade and it's different. And he's like, oh, okay, yeah. I get it. But um, then the magazine continues to play a huge role in, in what mm. we do. And um, they, each part of the ecosystem has its own place. Um, Again, I see the magazine and the summit um, as, as similar, but um, the magazine, it's the place where you can explore ideas, um, you can present them in a visually appealing way, um, which is great. Um, you can take things in unlikely directions, um, which is harder mm. to do because I don't care if anybody clicks through when it's a magazine, you know, this is for thumbing through, this is for considering, this is for reading while you're you right. know, waiting for something. Um, it's to spark ideas and thought. Um, so as long as people are willing to support the magazine, I think you know we are more than happy to keep making it. And um, mm. Kids Screen still does really well. We still, you know, we still sell a ton of ads and um, yeah. those ads are, they're beautiful, they're high impact. And um, I, you know, I think that part of the business is strong. And then the summit, you know, it's, it's a place, it's, Kids Screen Summit's interesting because um, it's really 50-50 or even 60-40 on the networking part of it versus the content part of it. On the mm. networking part of it, those face-to-face -face interactions continue to be critical in this industry. It's built on face-to-face -face interactions and uh, we, we continue to service that need. And I don't see that going anywhere. Um, on the mm. content side of it, you know, I, I there's nothing I like better than people you know, getting into it on a panel and, and ripping off of each other and, you know, unlikely things happening. I think that spontaneity is something that you can't get anywhere else, not to sound cliche, but, um, you know, when we're feeding stuff to people digitally, whether it's us or any other outlet, then it's really a one-way street. But, you know, at Summit, it, it's a two-way street and that's, that's unique. And I, again, I can't see that disappearing. The, you know, when it disappeared during the pandemic, everybody seemed really excited this year to get back out in the industry. They, you know, that was all, all mm. you heard in the early in the early days in the spring and summer was, "I'm just so happy to be out. I'm just so happy to see everybody." We're a social yeah. industry, and that's the first thing that struck me about joining Kids Screen was how social mm. and how how tight the industry is. Um, it's it's one that really values its community. I think. Mm. And and when you think, I guess slightly more from a news perspective on covering everything is it is it getting harder to cover all of the activity that's going on or maybe easier or like how do you think about sort of tracking like the, the kids media and entertainment space i think it's harder to balance the emphasis um right. because there's a lot of things that are interesting on an ancillary sort of basis, like um, ed tech. Um, mm. Right now, if we're talking about ed tech, we typically prefer to talk about it if there's an opportunity in it for content producers or licensing, like are they doing any licensing within that platform? Are they looking for content, original content to, to add to it? 
um, but not videos of somebody teaching, you know, are they looking to integrate, you know, some sort of, I don't know, maybe a YouTube personality into it, um, or an educational personality from the TV industry. So what is, you know, if we're talking about ed tech, we really need to focus on what is the opportunity for the rest of the industry to participate in this, or why would they find it interesting? Mm -hmm. um, and then in term, what the, what's getting difficult is balancing the regular business of TV and, and to a lesser degree film, because in kids, you know, film is such a big, animated film is such a big thing that mm. it just plays a smaller role in coverage because there's more TV content. Um, but how to integrate this, the game aspect to it, because they're merging really quickly, the importance mm. of, of the game platforms and communities, um, the ones that relate to kids, are, are coming in quickly. Um, so how much space do we give that without alienating the readers who just want the day-to-day -day business of TV coverage? Um, mm. So that's that stuff is getting harder to balance the coverage in terms of the resources we have to cover, the space we have, and what the industry wants and needs. Um, so we, we pay a lot of attention to, to our analytics, you know, what are people reading? And if they're reading mm. more of something, then we know to cover it more. Um, but that, yeah, that's how we do it. It is getting harder and I don't think it's getting easier. It's just the world keeps expanding and um, that makes it harder to, to make choices every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's super interesting. I mean, you're right. Like the, the number of sort of phase transitions that are going on across the kids space you know, and, and all of these media sort of bleeding into each other. Um, categorization is getting woollier and woollier. Uh, it's, it, yeah, it's very true. I mean, even uh, today we have a story on, you know, Hasbro's investor call yesterday that put um, Magic the Gathering at the center of, mm. of their short-term strategy. And I mean, that's really interesting, right? That's, um, mm. that's, that's a, that's a card a card-based game um and and hasbro is you know the one of the biggest toy businesses businesses in the world so um we we cover toys um but all of a sudden you know would you have seen magic the gathering in kids screen before mm. not probably not um but now that's suddenly a big part of our ecosystem um and then disney launched a trading card game recently um so that yeah these worlds are merging really really quickly yeah i know it's, it's fascinating i mean kids screen is my is my go-to daily and one of my go-to daily news sources for everything and it's I, I think like calling out toy companies is is spot on i mean you know as as examples of business models in transition to something else that is absolutely mm -hmm. not totally defined but is clearly going to happen um it, it is a great example of sort of what's happening in the kids space um today the um can I can I get you to sort of pick out some other moments that have sort of struck you since Valentine's Day this year uh, when you started like that that have been notable to you? You know, what is what has sort of stayed on your radar um, as, as news items in the kids space over the last six or nine months? Oh, gosh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I we don't have to talk about Roblox the whole time. I, I think when I saw, um, you know, the the news item about um, Spin Master and Roblox debuting, it's it was a Bakugan, it was Bakugan, right? Um, yeah. In in the Roblox environment, that really, I've been doing this for a long time, and occasionally stories come along where your Spider Sense, you know, Spidey Sense 
twinges, twinges, is that the word? And uh, you're like, oh, I think this shifted something. I think this moved the needle. I think this changed something a little bit. I felt that way about, I could be wrong, but I felt that way about, um, about that story coming through. And it really, I hadn't seen, oh, this is a completely new, completely valid place to put a TV series. Mm-hmm. Um, I hadn't seen that in a while. So that really caught my attention. Um, I think the influx of, and I know celebrities have always been interested in uh, kids stuff, you know, certainly any number of celebrities have written kids books, but um, I think the influx of celebrities into the kids space via a bunch of different avenues has definitely been attention getting, not just because their names you realize, but when you see, you know, Serena Williams and Alex um, Ohanian Mm. investing in the space and putting big money behind it you know, big money from our perspective, maybe not from Silicon Valley's perspective, but, um, you know, and then in, with the emphasis on NFTs, um, I, you know, Maria Perez Brown from Time Studios was at Summit and um, we, she really caught our attention with the NFT based strategy she was employing at Time Studios um, looking Mm. for IP. I continue because the kids industry is new to me that what Pocket Watch is doing, um, it has been endlessly fascinating to me to watch them add to their creators, see what categories they're pursuing. Um, and I, mean, what else has been game, game changing in my opinion? Um, it's a, it's a good but, but, but that's, that's, but it's such a, an interesting list that you just spun off there extremely professionally, I should add, like, oh, the, well, well, thank you. but, but, but it's just like, you know, you look at sort of um, <clears throat> cross media, you know the sort of the meshing of, of of content distribution and metaverse, celebrity, um, NFT creators like that's all in a very short space of time. Yeah, you know? and I mean the scare. I mean I don't know if you find this, but the scary part is what matters and what doesn't. And I, you know, no mm. one likes being wrong. But um, did you see today the Amazon shut down that Glow Voice? um interactive service i mean i think we report we reported on that in the time i've been at kid screen and it's already <laughs> shut down again so that seemed yeah. a little bit like well this happened that was a service for the pandemic and the pandemic is over you know whether mm. it is or not but um so they just shut it down really quickly and moved on which is great um but i'm i'm always scared of being wrong at, at first i was worried about that with nfts but now they seem to be settling into a rhythm um yeah. which is interesting yeah, but but I think like the velocity of experimentation and 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 the rate of change, like is it, it is definitely there. And I think you know it's an industry that isn't that isn't afraid to try things and be wrong. And I mean, I, I think you know quite what NFTs end up being, you know, whether it's really just sort of a euphemism for loyalty, at least in the kid space, you know, as opposed to an actual um you know blockchain based thing um, yeah we'll, you know we'll, we'll we'll see and it's like our, our kids attracted to a thing because it's got the word nft in it you know versus something else um it's 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 fascinating to watch how all of this plays out it's, it, it it really i mean it's it's I, i'm somewhat biased by calling it my favorite sector but like it really really is um you know so dynamic compared to many others yeah and i somebody was bringing up recently gosh i wish i can remember who um but um the speed of the industry that we've worked in for a long time, many of us in this, you know, so, you know, room, so to speak, um, it, it's accelerated so quickly. So how 
do, how does the TV, the legacy part of the industry, how do we shift to meet the timelines of today? You know, we, the, the conversation comes up with the need for, you know, Unreal Engine um, in speeding up production or um, the need of, of changing the dynamics of the industry and decision-making to, to go more quickly. Um, how do you make decisions more quickly, more cheaply, so you can fail more, fail faster like Silicon Valley right. does? Um, so yeah, this, the speed, um, is something that we're all going to have to keep up with, whether we like it or not, because it's, it's happening. It's, it's there. Um, so I, I, yeah, I think the, the acceleration is really fascinating part of it. Um, I think that's going to be a big conversation in the year or two ahead is how the legacy part of the industry speeds up processes to meet the needs of right now. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right. And I mean, it takes us to sort of an elegant way to close out this interview. Um, would you like to make some predictions about the future um, other than, you know, legacy, legacy companies having to think about um, what the future looks like and get faster at things that they used to be slower at? Well, Dylan, kindly, you provided me this question before uh, the interview, which I, <laughs> I took a whole 15 minutes to really think about. Um, <laughs> I, I think um, broadly, more broadly, what I'm starting to understand, and again, like we should do this again in a year and see how my opinions change, mm. but um, I think we're going to see a continued shift into digital as a part of kids' lives. And I, I think that is on both sides. I think it's on the consumer side and then on the, on the company corporate side as well. Mm. Like I, I do feel that, you know, in my own household and beyond, I feel like the, the pandemic unlocked a Pandora's box of what it means to have screen time. So prior to that, it was like very regulated from a parent's point of view, from my point of view, and from everything I was told in every article a new mom could possibly read about anything was regulate screen time. Um, and then in the pandemic, you just had to put that all aside. It was just irrelevant to survive those two years. Um, my kid was three to five during all those school lockdowns. Like it was survival. Um, but I think that I was just saying to a friend recently, we have to change the way we think about digital and screens like what they meant to us and what we've been told they mean to us is just different for kids now it's not it's not this perch in front of it for a half hour before dinner time thing like kids in you know in the 50s that's not what it is anymore so i think i think parents need to, will be redefining what digital means and i think the nature of screen time and what it means will change a lot and i think it will continue to change um but I think at the same time as well, you'll see that equal out in another way. And maybe that's a continued, maybe it's continued good sales and innovation in outdoor play, um, products for outdoor play, emphasis on outdoor play, um, and, and maybe um, community-based digital activities that have that interaction. So again, you get into regulation, what's that going to mean for regulation? So I think that is going to be a big conversation as like the more parts of society clue into this, you're going to see interest in regulation rise. You're going to see parental opinions through various mechanisms rise. Um, and then the other thing I think that's really interesting, and I, I don't know if it's because I'm new or, or not, but I think the fandom, I think fandom is just coming to this real um, moment. And maybe it's like the third iteration of fandom. I'm not sure what the other two are, but I think that, fandom like um, you know my six-year-old keeps mm. saying the word rare everything to him it's cool if it's rare you know i think the collectibles mm. and fandom um i think that's really happening right now and i think that will continue to play a big part in 
corporate strategies and toy strategies and how they relate to IP overall and what goes on our screen. Um, and on TV, I, I think we'll see more, possibly more efforts at interactivity in or, you know, many ways, I'm not sure, but I think fandom will continue to be stoked um, on the on the company side and continue to be well received by consumers. That's I, I feel that in the air. That is an excellent list, Katie. Oh, thank um, you. I mean, I, I could I, be I, wrong I, about all of it. <laughs> well, that's the beauty of predictions. Um, the the uh, they are right until proven otherwise. But I, I I mean I think there are probably three episodes that we could record uh, on that list alone. Uh, and I, I, the fandom point is super interesting um you know that that collectability versus nft versus sort mm -hmm. of you know brand loyalty thing is is uh it is definitely evolving and evolving very very fast well we will absolutely hold you to that suggestion to bring you back in a year and sort of check on the progress of those um but this has been such an interesting conversation and i i, I think particularly because you are you and the team are like literally, I guess, like at the face of what is going on at the very edge of what is going on in the kids uh, media world. Um, it's it's just sort of great to hear kind of behind the scenes of of how the news and reporting and events, uh, how they all happen and, and, and your perspective on it. Um, so Katie Bailey, content director and editor in Kids Screen, thank you very much for joining us on Kids Tech today. Well, thank you, Dylan, for having us. And, um, you know, we, we, everybody on the team listens to the podcast. Uh, we love it. We mine it for news. So keep it coming. <laughs> We're, uh, we rely on it just as much as uh, you rely on us. So thank you so much.